0: We begin the sixth Perik, which is all about food. Vows uh, of, about different uh, words that have to do with food and types of cooking. And then from there, we're going to go into some stories and advice about what to eat and how to eat it. We begin, mutar We begin, If someone makes a vow that they are not going to eat anything mevushal, literally cooked. Now we're going to see the word mevushal can have an expanded definition, meaning anything that's cooked in any way. Uh, But usually, mevushal means specifically something that is boiled, like a soup, uh, boiled in water. And so therefore, if I say I'm not going to have anything mevushal, I am permitted to have something that's barbecued because that's not that's not uh, boiled at all, and shaluk. Now, the word shaluk has uh, many different uh, opinions about what this means. I think the one that makes the most sense is something that is, in fact, roasted in a pot on the fire, but without a lot of water. So kind of like a pot roast um, is also, that would be roasting and not called boiled. So mevushal only means boiled. So that would be uh, a, a, a very limited definition. That's how most people use it. We're going to see in general, regarding Nedarim, you follow the most common definition uh, in the area where you live. So it's is not the biblical de- definition or the dictionary definition. It's what the, what, how common people understand it wherever you are. Amar kunam, Tavshil to'em if someone says, well, as this is prohibited like a korban to me, uh, tavshil, any cooked item that I will eat. So it's a little bit different from hamivushal, uh, which is going to be very limited. Uh, the word tavshil is going to be more expanded, which means it's going to prohibit more things. And if he says that, that I'm not going to taste anything that is tavshil, then he cannot have anything that's cooked in a pot that is soft and mushy or kind of runny. So this would prohibit something like uh, uh, cream of wheat, uh, porridge, um, maybe shakshuka, uh, something that is very soft that you, normally you'd have to eat with bread because otherwise it would be too runny. Mutar but he'll be permitted to eat something that is thick or solid that you don't eat with bread. You eat it by itself. That is not called. Uh, that is not included in tavshil, um, and also that person can eat. Um, a an egg that's prepared in a specific way. Uh, it's a, cooked a thousand times. We're going to see that definition on the Daf tomorrow. And this uh, gourd, a special kind of gourd, that also we'll explain in a couple of Dapim. So these are unconsidered hard items and are eaten by themselves, not with bread. So all these things are permitted. And so there we go. We have... Uh, uh, the first half of the Mishnah is contrasting mivushal with tavshil. Mivushal means very specifically only something boiled, and tavshil means anything that is cooked in a pot, but that's but that's uh, uh, runny. Okay, the second half is going to also make a, now a distinction between Kedera and Hayored Likedera. So Kedera and Asur Ela Someone says, I'm not going to eat any mas anything that is prepared in a pot or a, a dish. Uh, so then that he would only be prohibited from something that is boiled, Um Okay, so this is a more specific definition, and therefore, it's only going to apply to something actually boiled in a pot. But if he says, prohibited to me is anything that goes into a pot and I, that I will not eat, in that case, he's prohibited from eating anything that goes into a pot, even if it's not boiled, but just cooked in a pot in some other way. Uh, or in addition, some other way, that would also be prohibited. So that's the structure of the Mishnah, has two halves, and each half is contrasting two similar words. The first word being more particular, and therefore would allow more things, and the second word being more expansive, more general, and therefore would cover a wider range of prohibition. All right, so now regarding the first item, Tanya Rabbi Yoshia yoshia, Oser. Rabbi Ashia in the Baraita, in this Baraita, uh, disagrees with the Mishnah, which he can do, he's a Tanah, and he says that when he says, uh, when someone says Mivushal, it means any, any cooked item, it's the more general definition, like in English, we just say cooked, and that means cooked in any way. Um, even if it's barbecued. And even though there's no proof, absolute proof, that the word mevushal covers even all kinds of cooking, even barbecue, but there is a hint to this in the Tanakh, in the uh, which describes the cooking of the, uh, of the, of the Korban Pesach uh, during the times of the first Bet HaMikdash, And it says they cooked the Pesach in fire. What you see here is that although they're roasting the, 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 the Korban Pesach over an open flame, they're barbecuing it, nevertheless it calls that Vaivashelu. So the word Mevushal, in fact, does cover uh, barbecuing as well. This is actually a very important pasuk because what this pasuk is, is doing is it's reconciling two Pisukim, one in shemot and one in devarim. In shemot it says that you have to prepare korban pesach seli esh, and it says specifically there, and not mevushal bamayim, whereas in Sefer devarim it says, um that you prepare it, and if you just had devarim by itself, one would assume that Ubish means that you can boil the Korban Pesach. So it seems to be a contradiction. Which one is it? Shemot says Ba'esh, and Devarim says Levashel, which by itself normally means to boil, as we just said here. Uh, and that's the language that would mean in a vow. So the Devarim uh, uh, is putting the two Pesukim together, taking one word from Devarim, one word from Shemot, putting it all together to teach us that the word Levashel can also include to cook over fire. And that reconciles De, uh, uh, Devarim with Shemot. And so this is a hint to Rabbi Oshia's uh, opinion that mivushal covers all ways of cooking. So what's at the root of the Machloket between our Mishnah and the Let's propose that the Yoshe'ah thinks that whenever someone is making a vow, you follow the language as defined in the Torah. Go look at a Biblical dictionary, see how the usage in Biblical times, that's the official Hebrew, and that's what the word means whereas the author of our Mishnah says, no, we follow the language of B'nai Adam, the way people usually speak, in whatever time and place that you're in. And words do change their meaning over time and uh, and sometimes have different meanings in different places. And so it goes by the local uh, meaning. And so that would be that would apply to the Mishnah, our Mishnah, where most people, when they say Mevushal, they mean only boiled. But in the Tanakh, uh, that's the B'yoshiyah, following Tanakh, where it means even if it's roasted, right? So is that a good um, conclusion? And we say, No, don't necessarily put you know pigeonhole, especially the because in general we don't follow the Torah, vows. It makes sense, you should follow the way people normally speak, because vow is something that a person is making, is language that a person is making up. And so if they're saying something, most people, when they talk, they're not using biblical language, they're using their everyday language. Um, And so we should follow Lashon B'nai Adam, and so how can we explain this Machloket within, saying that Nedarim follow the way people normally speak? Each person was following his own place where they lived. Our tana of our Mishnah, lived in a place where if something is roasted, they called it roasted. If something is boiled, they called it boiled. Uh, they call mevushal. Mevushal only means boiled. But the karu mevushal. But where the B'yoshia lived, they uh, even if something was roasted, they would call it mevushal. Mevushal was had a more expansive definition in his place. But they're both following the normal human usage. Uh, hold on, but Rabbi Yoshea does cite a pasuk, so if he's citing a pasuk, doesn't that mean that we sh- he thinks we should follow the lashon of the Torah, meaning the lashon of the Tanakh? And then we say, no, no, he was just bringing a support for his opinion. In fact, he says, it's not a just a just davas, look, the way we use the word in my town is that Muvushal covers everything, and it's not just us. See, even in Divine Amim, it uses Muvushal as a, as a general term for any, any type of cooking. But this was only to bring uh, support, a mnemonic device. It was not actually saying the halacha would be, if you're in a place where they don't use the term that way, then, then they would not cover roasted items. Good. Kunam Tavshil, Mishnah said, if someone says that a uh, a tafshil and he uses that word is prohibited to me then uh, then that would cover only uh, loose, runny food, but not solid foods or thick, uh, thick foods. But now we ask,, meet tough that. He said a tough shield is no good. So why should that not include something thick if you have like a thick stew? Uh, so isn't that also tough shield isn't it cooked and cooked in a pot? Well, so that should also be prohibited. Why would it be permitted? So Rabbi explains that according to this Tana, if it's if you eat it with bread, that's called tafshil. That's the normal language. Very often they would eat, um, they would have some kind of uh, a, a dip uh, or a runny dish, some kind of sauce, and they would be uh, dipping bread in it, and so that's called tafshil. That's a kind of a normal meal, bread with tafshil. And if it's uh, something hard or thick and it's not eaten with bread, they didn't use, they didn't use the term tafshil to refer to that. That's why, okay. And we have a proof for this. Vihatnya. this is a kind of hatanya that's not a question, but rather support from this Baraita. So if someone says that Tavshil is prohibited to me, well, according to this B'nai that would include any type of cooked food, no matter if it's roasted or pot-roasted or boiled. And he's also, and he's prohibited from eating something soft that sick people eat with, Bread, In other words, according to this Breitah, the word Tavshil covers soft, runny food that you eat with bread. And here's a proof that the word Tavshil means what, what you eat with bread, and that's exactly what Abayeh said. Okay, now that we mentioned these sick people, we're going to go into that. Uh, um but that in, in a minute okay ini fa hada bi halash ala gaba hu asyal asyu hold on we have a question because it bi when he was sick a doctor came to heal him khaza kara damahat bbt shabke shabka unfak he saw a gourd in the house and he left. Amar malach mota, eat le leden be he says the angel of death is here, because he saw the gourd, and you think I'm going to enter it? So this is a question, because uh, right above in this it says if someone eats this soft gourd, right, it's the hitriot, rakot, that you eat with bread, that's uh, that sick people eat with bread. That was the example. So this would mean that um, sick people eating soft food uh, soft gourd is good for them. Whereas here, this doctor of Yirmiyah, when he saw that they had gourd and means the, the sick person uh, must have eaten this gourd, he says, "Forget it. There's no chance. I'm not even going to try to heal this guy. This is the angel of death because it's bad for you to eat gourd." So we have a chat. We have a, a contradiction. We're going to see two ways to solve it. It depends. If it's a soft gourd, then it's good for you. If it's a hard gourd, then it's no good for you. Seems to be talking about two different species of gourds. Or another answer. The gourd itself is not good for you, but the inside of the... I mean, the whole gourd is not good, but the inside, the soft part of the gourd... That is good for you. The Madav Yehuda As gave advice, I uh, said the inner inner part of a gourd should be eaten with chard, like meaning Swiss chard, right? Like we eat on Rosh Hashanah, these leaves. Uh, you should eat them together, and uh, the uh, inside of flax seeds you should eat with kutach. Kutach is the uh, very moldy uh, yogurt a uh, fancy dish that they had in Baveil. I don't know how fancy it was, but it was a very very sharp-tasting uh, um, uh, dish uh, that was um, very fermented. Okay, so it's good to have this with the flax seeds in it. And so we see here is the luliva. Luliva, it might come from the word live, like the inside part. Like we say, artichoke hearts is the soft, uh, edible part of the artichoke that's good. The rest of the artichoke you're not going to eat. And so, these, the inner part, that's soft, is good, right? So, that's a proof to what Ravah said. Um, But, by the way, you should not mention this item to uh, uh, ignorant people because if they hear that it's good to have flax seeds with your kutach, then they're going to go and tear up all the flax uh, plants to to go get its seed. They're going to ruin all the flax plants. So, therefore, do not tell this to ignoramuses who are going to um, misuse this information. Good. Rava Amar, man Cholin Rabanan. Now, when we say Cholin here, right, that soft gourd is good. For these, for sick people. Um, and Ava explains that we're not talking about people that are actually, uh, have a disease, but rather we're talking about sages, rabbis, uh, because they're learning Torah all the time. They're not getting enough physical activity. Uh, they're not, uh, uh um, in, indulging in worldly pleasures like that would, uh, keep them healthy. And so they're so focused on the Torah studies that they become weak and sickly because of it. Rava, le Tameh, Dama, Rava, and we see Rava. Um, says this elsewhere, um, If according to whose opinion do we pray every day for the sick and suffering? And according to the opinion of Rebiyoseh, this relates to a machloket in Masechet Rosh Hashanah about when are, when are human beings judged? Some say only on Rosh Hashanah for the whole year. That's why I just pray on Rosh Hashanah. But other people say, no, each and every day a person is judged and that's yoseh. So that's why every day we pray for, for the sick and suffering, because people are actually judged every day. Why do you use two terms, the sick and the suffering? Why not just say the sick? It's the same thing. Uh, so he's sick. Oh, so, so the word, sick, that means people who actually have a disease. Whereas suffering, uh, that refers to sages who are weak from uh, concentrating so much on their torah study kind of their minds and spiritual activity uh, gets all the focus and their bodies wither away and so they have to spe- take special care of their bodies with eating that soft gourd okay um, now, when you make a, such a vow, you only uh, of tavshil. You can still have thick food because that's not called tavshil. Matnitin de This mishnah uh, does, does not follow the, uh, the the custom of the Babylonians. It's only in Eretz Yisrael that's where a typical tavshil. You say a cooked dish, you mean something that you eat with bread, and they don't do that in Bavel. In Babel, they eat bread with everything, um, even with thick things. And so that's why the Bizerah, who happened to go from Babel and move to Eretz Israel, he calls the Babylonians foolish because they eat bread with bread. What he means is that even if you have something thick, like a thick, porridge that normally you just eat by yourself because it's so thick in that would that would, it would be they would eat it alone um, but they take this porridge which might be made out of wheat it is it's made out of wheat and they would put it on wheat bread and so they make a bread sandwich with bread on the outside and something that's made out of wheat and very thick on the inside and that doesn't make any sense uh, that how they do that in Bavail but what you do see from here is that in Bavail they don't distinguish between thick and thin, uh, cooked items, they eat everything with bread. Amar uh, Rav Chistah, lehon lehalan said, so we're going to see a couple of stories about people that actually lived in Bavail, and how they ate. So Rav Chista said, we asked the, uh, these people who were very careful about how they ate. They were a very particular in their, uh, in their, in in, in their, uh, uh, you know, politeness, um, and, uh, uh, in their manners. And they lived in Hutsal in Bavel. When you eat porridge, what's the proper way to eat it? On the one hand, if it's made out of wheat porridge, do you eat it with wheat bread? And then if it's, uh, barley porridge, you eat it with barley bread? Should you match? the bread with the type of grain of the porridge or maybe you should mix and match and if it's wheat porridge eat it with barley bread and barley porridge eat it with barley porridge eat it with wheat bread so that you get a mixture of different types of grains uh, so i don't know we don't have an answer from the sages of Hutzal but Rava does say, uh, but they, we do say that Rava would eat his bread with chassise, which is made out of wheat. Um, so it sounds like he would eat wheat with wheat, so um, eat the same type. Now we have more stories about um, eating manners. Rava Ba ravhuna ashkaher ravhuna ka'akhir da'isa b'es uh so Rabah, son of Ravuna, found Ravuna maybe that's his father, maybe it's just someone else named Ravuna. Anyway, this Ravuna was eating porridge with his fingers, um uh, like they do in India. Am I le is Why are you eating with your fingers? Usually you'd you know, scoop something up with a piece of bread or, or a utensil. It is because Rav, the great first generation Amora in Bavel, said that porridge is uh, tastier with one finger, it's even better with two fingers, and all the more so three fingers. Um, maybe the idea is that part of the experience is uh, not just tasting the food, but also feeling it. And uh, it increases the enjoyment and experience um, by using all more senses to eat the food. So advice that Rav said to his son, or Rav Huna said to, also said to his son, is that if someone invites you to have some porridge you should travel up to uh, up to one parsa, that's a you know a persian parsang which is uh, a little less than 3 miles right it's worth worth the trip to have some porridge it's very good for you the de Torah parsin but if someone serves you ox meat and you for ox meat you should travel 3 parsangs cuz that's even better um, ox meat we saw is uh, very hard to cook. You have to cook it for a long time, but well worth it. W- worth the trip. And now we're going to see something a bit contradictory to that. And so here, Rav Chia tells his son, and the Ravuna tells his son, so which is the same people telling their son something, And they said, Don't spit anything out in front of your teacher. It's not nice. It's disrespectful to if you're eating something and it's not good to spit it out. Except for two things. Except for porridge and gourd. All right, a porridge, uh, uh, gourd and Daisa porridge, because these things are like a burning lead wick. This is the way that they would give um, uh, execution to someone who's deserving of burning. And We don't actually burn the whole body uh, in, uh, in, a, in a fire because that would desecrate the body. Instead, they're burnt from inside. So it says these foods, um, if, they're, uh, if they're not good um, and uh, can be very harmful to you, and therefore you should spit them out, not only in front of your teacher, even if you're sitting in front of King Shapur, the king of the Persian Empire, better to be embarrassed and be disrespectful and spit it out because otherwise it will be... Um, it will be very damaging to your health. Um, okay, so on the one hand, uh, well, they do say that the, the the porridge is not quite as good as ox meat, right? Ox meat, you go very far. For porridge, you don't go that far for it, so it's not already there. It's not the greatest thing, and perhaps if it's not prepared well, or if it's too hot, or something not good, and you're kind of choking on it, then best to spit it out, because otherwise it will be very bad for you. be Yehuda. And now more about eating with your hands. Uh, we had the Bio Yosei and One of them was eating with his fingers and one of them was eating with uh, some kind of utensil, a fork or a piece of bark. So the one who was eating with a fork told the one, we don't know which one is which, uh, told the one who was eating with his fingers, And how long are you going to keep feeding me your 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 waste, your filth. Uh, so apparently they're eating from the same dish. That would be common. You'd have one big dish in the middle of things that you dip, and then everybody would be uh, dipping into it and eating. So if you're dipping bread, that would be the most common thing, and that that's fine because every time you dip the bread, you take a bite, and now you're getting um you know another piece of bread or the rest of the bread. And so there's no double dipping. But here, um the, this one is sticking his fingers in it and his fingers are all all dirty and he keeps sticking his fingers again and again in this and so the one who's using a fork nice and proper this is, this is disgusting how long you're gonna keep putting your waste back in to the dish and the other one had a comeback the one who was eating with his fingers to the one who was eating with this utensil, how long are you keep going to keep feeding me your spit? Uh, in other words, at least when I'm using my fingers, but you clean the fingers, your fingers off uh, between every uh, bite or so, uh, and you clean it on the napkin. But when you're using this utensil, and you don't clean it, so every time you eat something, then your spit is going on it, and then you're putting it back in, so you're the one that's actually more disgusting than me. Alright. Uh, so these two say, uh, were uh, they brought in front of them these types of figs, um fayin figs. Rabbi Yehuda ate them. Rabbi Shimon refused to eat them. Amaleh um, Uh my Tamar la Biuda tells Rabbi Shimon, how come you're not eating these nice figs? Amaleh Rabbi Shimon, elu and yosin me bnei me'ayim kolikar. Rabbi Shimon says, no, I won't go near them because. They do not come out of your intestines at all. This causes uh, constipation. I'm not gonna eat them. Rebu Da says that makes them even better. That, may, that way I'll feel full tomorrow too. Um, so you right, you get two two meals for the for the price of one. Uh, so one liked that and one did not want to have that. A Teb yateb kamed rabbi tarfon. This same rabbi udahu ate those figs. He was once uh, sitting before the rabbi his teacher. A mala Hayom panecha sehubin. The rabbi You look nice and and and, and rosy, ruddy today. Healthy. Oh, because yesterday we went to the field and they brought us some beets and we ate the beets without any salt. And if we had salt around and we ate them with salt, we would have been even more ruddy. So the beets, I guess they're you know, nice red beets and that gave them nice color and made them healthy. Now this same Rebbe who was ready from the beats, there was a certain noble woman who saw him and said, You teach and you drink. Because she saw that he had these red cheeks, she thought that he, he was red from drinking a lot of alcohol. So, he, so she asked him, How could you teach and drink? Right? Now we don't drink and drive, but those, in those days, those days, right? You don't, uh, you don't teach and um, you don't drink and teach. That would be dangerous. You're going to teach all kinds of wrong things. How could you do that? And she says, "My integrity is in your hands. Right? You have it." Oh, you have my word that I do not eat, drink anything except any alcohol, except for kiddush, havdalah, and four cups of wine on Pesach. That's the absolute minimum because you have to have wine uh, for those at those times. But that's it. When I have those four cups of wine, I get such a headache from it um, that I have to tie my my temples, my head from Pesach to Shavuot. Right, it takes me for uh, uh, forty-nine days to re- to recover from that hangover headache. I, me, and wine are don't mix. Ela chokmat adam ta'ir panav, and therefore you should know I did not drink anything. My face is not red from drinking, but rather the pasuk says a man's wisdom makes his face shine. My, uh, my redness is from Torah. It's interesting that he says it's from Torah to this noble woman, uh, whereas to his teacher, he says because of beats. And so, well, maybe a combination of both. But for each one, he wanted to emphasize to the one or the other because Rebitarfon uh, and other sages were also learning a lot of Torah. So it makes him redder than them. It's the beats. But for, for this, um, for this uh, uh, noble woman who was challenging his, his teaching ability, because he was so red, he says, no, it's precisely my wisdom that makes me red and shine so that she would appreciate um, what he valued. And now uh, this, uh, this uh, um, uh, wise guy is challenging Rabbi Yudah, this heretic he says and uh, he tells your face looks like those who take uh, interest uh, lend on interest and those who uh, raise pigs Uh, both of these are uh, good businesses good in the sense that they're very profitable without so much work and so people that uh, lend on interest and raise pigs are are wealthy and pampered and they sit and they eat and drink a lot and that's why they look really Ready um, and uh, 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 and and look very healthy. So this is you look like you're 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 pampered. Like you, you must have one of these professions. Is that isn't that right? Amalabi yuhta e tarvaihu asiran ela simar ba ta kisa itlimin beta ad ad be midrasha bikor sha sha ninkhnas lkol ehad va ehad he says no sorry regarding the jews we are prohibited from both of them we can't charge interest and we also are not allowed to raise pigs but I'll tell you why I'm so healthy because there are 24, um, bathrooms, uh, on my way from my house to the Be' Midrash and I, um, I go into each and every one on my way. And that way I never suffer from constipation. I always relieve myself. and That's a very healthy thing to do. And that's why I look so healthy. All right. Good advice. So, more stories about a Be' who when he went to the uh, went to the study house, he would carry a pitcher on his shoulder. So even though someone who's a dignified person shouldn't be carrying uh, a burden through in, in the street, that's uh, menial labor. But he says, "Great is labor because it gives honor to the to to the laborer." In what way does this give honor? So it seems that he's taking this this uh, pitcher to the bimdash so we could sit on it. He doesn't have to sit on the floor and so it's worth the labor of carrying your own uh, stool to the Ben so that you have a nice little chair to sit on and don't have to sit on the floor. Um, okay, Rabbi Shimon al Et similarly would carry a basket on the shoulder and said the same thing that labor is great because it brings honor to the one that's doing it. And so you know, don't be uh, embarrassed to be seen walking in the street carrying a chair. Uh, in the end, you'll be you'll be more uh, have feel more respect that you can sit properly. So the Biyudah, we're going to see, he lived, um, he lived in a very modestly, and uh, his wife went and she collected wool and made a nice thick cloak. Probably wasn't a very expensive item because she just made it from leftover uh, wool that she was able to find and she, she made this cloak. When she would go out to the market, she would cover herself with it so that she would be warm and modest. Rebiuda would go to pray, he would cover this, he would use it to cover himself and pray. So they kind of shared a coat. And he was so uh, gratified that he had this nice uh, thick wool coat that when they put it on, he would say a special baracha right? Thank you, Hashem, who wraps me in a coat. Okay, wonderful. Zimnah chada chagazar Shimon ben Gamliel taanita. One time, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel was a He said a public fast day. Maybe there was no rain. Rabbi Judah la atal be taanitar, but Rabbi did not come to uh, to the Rabban Rashbag to pray with him. Amrin le la itle kisuya. is wondering where Rabbi Judah could not come. He says he has doesn't have a he doesn't have a a, a, a coat uh, to wear. And so he's embarrassed to come, uh, not looking dressed properly. He's very wealthy. He sent him a, a cloak, but the would not accept it. Delhi So Rabbi Yudah showed why he didn't accept the scope. He lifted a mat He showed to the messenger who was sending him the coat He says, look, look what I have. And he showed that there's a gold dinar is right under his. Uh, uh in in the stool that he's sitting on full of gold he says i could buy it if i want that's not that's not an issue of the money but rather i do not want to derive benefit from this world i'm purposely living in a very modest way uh because i don't want to be materialistic and i don't even um won't have any benefit from this world to take away from my spiritual attention, and so therefore I'm refusing the coat. And so this, uh, so this is a, a great and important lesson that he's purposely n- not rich. He actually is rich. He could get money anytime he wants, but he's purposely living um, in a very humble way. Okay, what happened to the coat that uh, he had over here? How come he didn't wear that? Uh, well, a couple of possibilities. Maybe his wife was wearing it, so because she was out to the marketplace, and at the same time that they were praying. So you see, they, they both share one cloak, so only one can go out at a time. Or maybe this cloak, even though he loved it and got a lot of pleasure in it, was actually a very simple uh, drab uh, uh, cloak, and so he was embarrassed to show up at the, uh, at the um, uh, prestigious uh, home of Rashbag if they were praying in his home, uh, where everybody is dressed properly and he's not, uh, he's not dressed in that way. He didn't want to show disrespect in that way. And so maybe that's why he didn't come. Uh, or maybe the stories of out of order. But it actually looks like the stories are in order. This is kind of a follow-up to the previous one, uh, showing that he, made, he, he did a lot with a little and appreciated whatever he had, which is uh, a wonderful lesson to always be happy with what we have. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen v'amen.